Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. We have a report now on some of the youngest victims of war. They are Ukrainian children living in the path of Russia's invasion. Leila Fadl has some of their stories from Kiev. Now, if you're not in a place to hear kids in distress right now, this story will last about seven minutes. Don't worry, we'll still be here when you get back. But if you can listen, it matters. And here's their story. There's a sound missing in Kiev. The sound of children. Every playground we pass in the capital is empty. Since the start of Russia's war on Ukraine, more than half of this country's children have been displaced. But through the gates of Ukraine's largest children's hospital, one car after another rolls in, tagged with the word children, a plea to Russian forces not to strike, not to shoot. In the lobby of the hospital, medical staff unpack diapers, medicine, food, toys. A bulletin board is covered with notes of support from around the world. I see something from Italy. I see things in English, love, peace, freedom, stay strong. And then there are stuffed animals pinned onto the board that were sent for little children. It's this hospital where Ukraine's sickest children are treated, and now it's most gravely injured if they can get here from more dangerous parts of the country. But even here, in this place of healing, medical director Serhi Chernyshuk tells us safety, it's not guaranteed. I hope that uh, the information that you uh, will show will help us to receive uh, additional help from forward. Uh, I'm not about medical help. Uh, we, our, uh, we can do everything by ourselves, but we need help to the sky. Because the most dangerous place in Ukraine is sky. Also for our clinic too. Because some of rockets hit very close to us. In other parts of the country, Russian strikes have hit hospitals. Through the lobby and past the double doors, we meet Anastasia Rusin in the emergency room. I am radiologist, so I work on X-ray, CT, and MRI. And lately, she's been learning to tie tourniquets, too. She's been living in the hospital since the start of the war because it's safer than her home. But also doctors are living here so they're ready for the wounded to arrive. Before the Russian invasion, most injuries she saw were the kinds kids normally get from being kids. Uh, some bicycles, you know, riding as children uh, has uh, some, some, yes, accidents, sports, uh, football and so on. And now we have blast trauma. It's children with uh, shrapnels. Uh, we have children with uh, heart injuries. She pulls up a picture. So this, this boy. Oh my gosh. Yes, it's very... His entire back is open. Yes, yes. It was uh, due, uh, They were on uh, children's yard. He was playing. And then uh, not far away from this yard, some parts of rocket were hit him to his back. It was very hard for us even to see this uh, small small boy with such injury. You know, it's sometimes it's even for doctors it's hard to see this uh, these things, and because uh, we are humans. Upstairs, there's the four-year-old boy, 
a seven-year-old girl with shrapnel wounds to her legs, and a 13-year-old who's had multiple surgeries over the past few weeks. What's your name? Vova. Vova? Vova might be a little hard to understand because his jaw is wired shut, but he still manages a half-smile when we meet him. Vova's short for Volodymyr, Volodymyr Karavansky. I ask him about the scar running down the side of his face. What happened here? The car was fired at. But it's not just his face. A bullet grazed his hand, two pierced his back, another his foot. Okay, I see you're pulling up on your back. Is that also you got a bullet here? Wow. And he's showing us a wound to his legs. He's got a bandage on his thigh. And more um, wounds on his knee. He shows me each injury with the practiced rhythm of a patient who's been poked and prodded. He doesn't cry. He says it doesn't hurt anymore. Vova's mother, Natalia, sits on the bed next to him and tells us Russian forces opened fire on their car as they fled their neighborhood outside Kyiv. So, uh, yes, we were together, the whole family, in one car, in one car and the, the car was fired at, so he died here on the spot, and just when we start screaming, the children are in here, it was too late for my husband and for Maxim. Maxim was her nephew. He was six years old. She pulls up pictures of her late husband. Alexander was 43. Oh, a beautiful family. Is this from Christmas? This picture been taken one year ago. There's a picture of them on their anniversary. He gave her a huge bouquet of flowers. Another one of them on a family hike. Vova jumps in to change the subject. Ask she shows the dog. What's your dog's name? Jora. 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 Georgiu passport. You love your dog. He doesn't talk about his dad. You are brave and strong. How are you just so brave about all this? Um, I just don't care about this war. Bova's mom jumps in here. It's just not completely realized what is happening. Yeah. What do you think is happening? Putin has sent his troops to kill the Ukrainians. Bova says he's tired of being in this hospital. What do you wish you were doing right now, if there wasn't a war? Uh, if there wasn't the war, I would just play games on my phone and play with my dog. We leave his room. And an hour later, we see him in the lobby. A staff member is pushing him in a wheelchair. After nearly a month in a hospital bed, he's out in the world. So we're watching Vovo in a red wheelchair. He's being picked up and put onto a bus. He has a little stuffed animal. And he's going to Poland, away from the shelling, away from ambushes away from the stories we've heard here in Kyiv, in the capital of Ukraine. 
our colleague Leila Fadel. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR. Summer is for going to the movie theater because it's too hot to stay home. It's for driving with the windows down, listening to your favorite music. It's for stretching out while you're on vacation to gobble up a TV show. For a guide to some of the TV, movies, and music we are most excited about this summer, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. On NPR's Throughline. We cannot function for 24 hours without COBOL. Because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop. And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.